0: What's good, everyone? Welcome back to the Bucks Film Room podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sampson, and you can find me on Twitter at Bucks Film Room. I write about the Milwaukee Bucks for Brew, Hoops, Brew Hoop and Forbes Sports. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you listen. Just search for the BrewHoop feed and you can find it under there. It comes out every Thursday morning, so make sure to continue to checking in. I really appreciate you guys. You know, our numbers are doing great. It'd be swell if you guys would be so kind as to give us five stars and leave a friendly review. It helps the podcast become more noticeable on iTunes using their algorithms, equations, or whatever. I just would really appreciate that. That would be awesome. Today, we continue breaking down individual players, and we'll continue to double up here so that way we can make it through everybody before the start of the season or before the start of training camp, hopefully. So we are going to go through Sterling Brown and Pat Connaughton today, each of whom will be fighting for a spot in the rotation behind Chris Middleton and and Wes Matthews. So we'll continue to follow the same format where we look at the players' strengths, weaknesses, and the best and worst-case scenarios for them in the upcoming season. First, I'd be remiss if we didn't at least touch on the FIBA World Cup. USA lost to France the other day, which officially eliminated them from earning a medal. They do play Serbia still, but that game basically means nothing. A lot of fans you know, have been confused about Chris Middleton and Brook Lopez's play in this tournament. And, you know, I don't, I kind of care. It's a little discouraging that they're not doing better. I know Middleton had one game at least where he led the team in scoring with 15 points. Otherwise, he's kind of been quiet. Brooke Lopez, he hasn't really found the floor consistently, hasn't really gotten playing time consistently, even against a Rudy Gobert. But I think, you know, it's not a huge deal in that area. It's, you know the bucks offense is the way that it's structured it's created for guys like middleton and Lopez to thrive that's not the same with this team USA offense you know this team usa offense is completely built differently it's basically a bunch of random guys and Middleton Lopez they haven't found their footing they have struggled a little bit but I don't read too much into it you know I would look at their larger body of work and what that really means you know you're they're, they're Outside of the Raptors playoff series, Middleton played fairly well. Lopez played fairly well, and so I would look at the larger body of work. I'm not going to be too worried about just this handful of games. The court, you know, it shrunk a little bit with the three-point line not being as far. That definitely detracts from Lopez's ability. You know, Middleton, that can hurt him as well. It does play a little bit more into his mid-range game, but it's less room for him to operate. And so... This experience overall is still a positive for each of these guys. You know, they're not really overtaxing themselves. I've seen some people worried about what it means for their bodies. It's making a long season even longer. But, I mean, they're not. it's not like they're going out there playing heavy minutes, playing hard basketball. Both of them have been pretty limited. Middleton definitely has gotten a lot more playing time. But it's not as if he's out there just overworking his body. He's still working on his game. He's getting this opportunity to play in in an environment that can be somewhat similar to the playoffs as far as what's at stake. So I think, you know, the experience is a positive. I'm not worried about fatigue. They'll be smart. It's a long regular season, but Boone did a great job last year of really taking care of his guys. He'll make sure to do that again. So yeah, overall, maybe a little discouraged that they aren't having great performances, but overall, don't read into it too much. All right, so moving on to the player previews, let's begin with Pat Connaughton. He is in the second and final year of his contract with Milwaukee and will only earn $1.72 million this season. That's a steal. Uh, He'll be an unrestricted free agent next season, so the Bucs will have to figure out what to do with him then, and a lot of it will depend on how he plays this year. In his first year at the Bucks in 2018-19, he appeared in 61 games, starting 2 of them, and averaged 20.7 minutes, 6.9 points, 4.2 rebounds, and 2 assists per game, all while shooting 33% from downtown. Let's jump right into his game by looking at his strengths. So overall, he's a hustle player. That's what he is. He'll dive into the stands. He'll get on the ground on the floor for loose balls. He'll come flying in with his great leaping ability and grab rebounds. You know, he that's the type of player that he is. He understands that and he uses that to his advantage. He's a great hustle player. His leaping ability is another strength. He loves to show it off. I mean, how many times Last year could you can you remember, you know, just him going flying into the middle of the pack, grabbing a rebound, showing off that leaping ability around the rim, um, which I mean he's a good finisher around the rim. He made sixty seven percent of his shots around the hoop last year according to cleaning the glass, which ranks in the eighty third percentile among wings. So that's really nice to see from Connaughton. He loves to use his leaping ability around the hoop. He can go up there and surprise a number of players by throwing it down in traffic you know he's really has become adept at that or even if it's just laying the ball and he's got some nice touch around the hoop so I think that's really something that he has going for him I I talked about it or wrote about it a little bit last year or twice I think so maybe a lot about how he's a great cutter he doesn't cut all the time but when he does he is really effective at it and he should really look to do that a little bit more this season, you know, he's a guy in this offense who will kind of get lost when Giannis has the ball, when Middleton has the ball. And so if he's in the corner and his man isn't paying attention, he should look to cut baseline more often. He should look to curl off of their double series or their strong series when they send that double down screen, which also I just wrote about at Brew Hoop. So make sure to check that out. I jumped into the, you know, breaking down video about the strong series that the Bucks run in their offense. So I think, you know, Connaughton getting back to him can really benefit from cutting to the hoop more often and using that. Um, so that's really something that he might do a little bit more of next year. I mean, I would encourage him to. Obviously, it's a fine balance between clogging the lane by cutting so often and staying out to the three-point line like Boonehoser wants them to. I think that's really something that is important to find that balance for him. He's also an elite rebounder on both ends of the floor. He can go in there and grab rebounds with the best of them. Cleaning the glass has him in the 93rd percentile among players among wings who can grab offensive rebounds in the 90th percentile. 90th percentile among wings who grab defensive rebounds so he grabs 14.1 percent of his opponent's misses on defense and 5.1 percent of his own team's misses on offense so that's another strength that he brings he's really gritty in that way he'll get right in there you know even though he's on the slider side of a player he can use his jumping ability again his leaping ability to grab those rebounds in traffic he also, he knows his role on this team. He doesn't try to do too much. You know, he understands he's there to space the floor, shoot the ball when he's open, cut occasionally, play hard on defense. And so he really knows his role on this team. And that seems to be an overall theme with Bucks players. You know, you don't really have a lot of guys going outside of their skill set to try to produce. And so he's another guy just knows his role. And they may seem like a silly strength, but it's such an important aspect, especially when the Bucks rely on that team ball and they move the ball around. It's kind of an equal opportunity scoring uh, offense at times. And so knowing his role is really critical. Moving on to weaknesses. You know, one of his biggest weaknesses is that he's mostly limited to one position. You know, he can only play the shooting guard and that's on both ends of the floor. Uh, He's not quick enough to defend point guards. Sometimes, you know, he gets that those feet that kind of get stuck in the concrete. And so he's not quick enough to defend ones. He's, he has a little bit of size, you know, he's listed at six, five, but he's just not strong enough to defend small forwards on a consistent basis either. And so he's really limited to, to playing shooting guard on both, both ends of the floor. Um, he can defend threes and he can defend ones in a pinch. However, he'll mostly be used at that shooting guard position. Last year, he spent 78% of his time at the two. Um, he did play some small forward in Portland the year before that in 2017-2018. But overall, you know, he's, he's as much of a one position player as I think that we'll see today, especially from somebody who plays on the wings. Another weakness that he has is he's undisciplined on his closeouts. The one, The biggest thing that comes to mind when I think of Pat Connaughton is him crazy like going crazy running out at somebody on the three-point line and then they give the smallest of ball fakes or they're even thinking that they're going to shoot and he he just jumps goes flying in the air goes flying by them he does get a fair amount a good amount of blocks and tip shots on the perimeter that way however it's more likely that he's just going to go flying by his man and they're going to get you know pump fake content goes flying by, they take one or two dribbles, get an open mid-range shot. So he needs to really find that balance and become more disciplined. Obviously you don't want to take it away because he did have a number of number of shots that he blocked on the perimeter when he closed out like that and you know team shooters just underestimate his his leaping ability when it comes to that situation. but I think he needs to find that that balance where he can really be more disciplined on that on that in that aspect of his game offensively he really needs to work on well I I shouldn't say work on but he can't create his own offense he can't create his own shot he's reliant on others around him he's not a guy who as a shot clock's winding down you're going to go out there and put the ball in his hand and run pick and roll with him he's a guy who's going to space the floor and who's going to hit the open shots when his man leans in to help or if his man falls asleep that's really his role he can't create his own offense it's it's not realistic to expect him to do that, um, which is fine. But it's also, you know, what makes him a role player and a limited player in the NBA. He's also not a consistent outside threat. He had he struggled early in the season with his with his three point shooting, and that cost him playing time. He, when he finally got his shot going at the end of the year bang he got consistent playing time funny how that worked out but overall you know he's just not a consistent outside shooter he sh- he made what was it 33% of his let's see he made yep 33% of his three point shots last year which is below average and that's not good enough he shot 28.8 from the outside before the all-star break but then that jumped way up to 38.2% after the all-star break and so that really uptick in his three-point production came with you know an uptick in his playing time so it'd be really nice to see him do that to increase his consistency but overall you know that's been kind of a theme is he's a hot and cold shooter you can't always rely on him and you know when he finally got a shot Going here, here in playing time is as simple as that. So, to take a look at some of the scenarios, let's begin with a best case scenario for Pat Connaughton, as you know, there are a number of guys that are that will be fighting for time at that spot behind Wes Matthews. We got two guys that we're talking about today, Pat Connaughton and Sterling Brown. Kyle Korver could be another one. Dante DiVincenzo could be another one. George Hill will probably get some playing time at the two. And so that that's really a cluster where Boonholzer is going to have to figure it out. So I think the best case for Connaughton is that he earns that playing time. He's the guy who continues his hot streak from the postseason, from the end of the regular season, and carries that over into training camp in the beginning of the season. And he earns that time. In order to do so, he'll probably have to knock down his threes on a consistent basis. I'm not asking the world of him, but if he can just get that number up to 36, 37%, you know, right about average for an NBA player, that would go a long way. You know, the Bucks are going to be looking for those shooters, especially after the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, opposing coaches, their blueprint for Giannis is going to be to pack the paint and make other shooters beat them, especially guys who aren't named Chris Middleton. They're going to pack the shoot pack the paint on just about everyone until the Bucks can consistently prove that they're ready to step up and to make these open shots and so Connaughton will have to be able to do that we'll have to prove that he can do that in order to earn playing time I would also love to see him learn how to control his jumping more, especially on closeouts. And it's really important, like, to talk, like I talked about, for him to find that balance in that area. It's far too many times he goes flying by, leaving his teammates at a disadvantage on the defensive end. And a lot of times that can lead to easier scoring opportunities for the offense. So I th- would really like him to find that balance, become more disciplined, but still use that attribute to his advantage. You know, you don't want to completely take that away. That's a big part of his game. It's a big part of what makes him who he is as a player. I think it's just about being more disciplined and controlling that aspect, especially on closeouts. The last thing for best-case scenario is that he continues to get rebounds and make hustle plays for the Bucks. They need they need that gritty player who can come in and do that. They need that guy who can fly in from the three-point line and grab rebounds in, on offense who can do that as well. And so he proved that he could do that last year, and so it would be nice for him to continue to do that and continue to be, you know, the Bucks thrive when they can get that defensive rebound and get out and run. And so, if they have guards who can crash like that, that just makes it a lot more likely that they're going to be able to get the rebound and, and run. So, I think that would really be a great attribute for for Connaughton to add to this team is to be able to, you know, jumpstart those fast break and give Milwaukee more opportunities or continue to allow them to have a lot of opportunities to get out and run in transition. All right, so the worst case scenario would be, you know, for me, a lot of it just comes down to his three-point shot, and he continues to be inconsistent with it, and he doesn't get hot this time. He stays right around that 32-33% mark. I think that would really be the downfall of Connaughton's game, is if he does not rediscover his consistency that he found toward the end of the season and in the playoffs. So I think that would really make it hard for Budenholzer to put him on the floor, especially with that plethora of The plethora of other players that Milwaukee has. So, really, the worst case scenario, especially offensively, is that he continues to be inconsistent with his three point shot. Then, teams sag off of him and he can't get to the rim like he did last year. You know, they don't have to respect his outside shot, they aren't playing up as tight. And so, they sag off and he's not able to cut to the hoop or he's not able to curl. Uh, off screens like he did last year and and then that ends up not only taking away his three-point game but then also his great finishing ability at the rim like he displayed so it kind of is a domino effect there it would really be hard for him to earn playing time if he isn't able to keep his three-point shot up at least to 36 percent you know defensively he continues to be undisciplined in trying to block shots and and that really starts to deter Budenhoser from playing him consistently especially when he has other guys who are going to be more disciplined in their closeouts and keep guys in front of them or do whatever the scheme calls for so I think that would be another worst case scenario is that he continues to to be undisciplined on his closeouts and and also one thing that might hurt him is if he's forced to play out of position so talked about, you know, that the shooting guard really being his primary spot on the floor where he can thrive. But if he's forced to play out a position at either the one or the three, say other players are injured, you know, and he's forced to step up at other times, that could really take away from his effectiveness on the court and really put him at disadvantages as far as his ability to beat his man one-on-one or different things like that or or defensively you know if he's forced to defend point guards or small forwards that would really put him at a disadvantage and in turn and in turn the team at a disadvantage as well so I think that would really be a worst case scenario is if he's forced to play a different position than today's episode is brought to you by cars.com shooting guard primarily. All right, well, that wraps it up with Pat Connaughton. Let's move on to Sterling Brown. Brown is also in the final year of his contract, and his rookie deal will expire after this season, and he'll be a restricted free agent next year. In 2018-19, he appeared in 56 games for the Bucks, starting seven of them and he averaged 17.8 minutes, 6.4 points, 3.2 rebounds and 1.4 assists per game while shooting 36.4% from downtown. And similar to Connaughton, he, you know, he was in and out of the lineup at various points in the season. He began the season outside of the rotation, earned his way in there, and about a month or so into the year and then basically it was a part of the rotation for the better part of the season. He missed a good chunk of time with a right wrist injury but then when he recovered at toward the end of the regular season he came back, got into the rotation. He started, you know, in the playoffs against the Pistons, ended up losing that spot, lost his spot in the rotation really for the better part of the playoffs, and so we'll see what this season holds for him. His strengths as a player, we'll start on the defensive end. He's really a solid gritty defender he didn't take a leap in his second season like some of us thought you know he flashed in his rookie year like he really might be able to be an above average to very good defender that didn't necessarily happen last year you know he's still a solid defender he's still a guy that you can put in there and he'll make the offensive player work he can guard either twos or threes which is a strength of his but he just didn't take that leap but still if we're talking about strengths, you know, he's a solid defender. He can guard multiple positions. Uh, 44% of his time last year came at shooting guard and 50% came at small forwards. So he really can play either wing spot and he can defend either wing spot. He's He has that strength that Pat Connaughton maybe doesn't have. You know, he's just a little bit taller than Connaughton, but he has that strength that Pat Connaughton does not have. Um, And so that allows him to bang with the threes. And he he has lateral quickness where he can stay in there with shooting guards as well. So I think that's really a strength. And offensively, his game fits into either spot as well. So he's one of, like, the Bucks' only true backup small forwards to Middleton. Corver could potentially play that. Um, but, you know, he's probably, Sterling Brown has, you know, a good chance to either come in for Wes Matthews or for Chris Middleton, and so it'll be interesting there. You know, defensively, he might be somebody who's asked to guard the opposing team's best wing player outside of Chris Middleton. Malcolm Brogdon played that role a lot last year, you know, in the Eastern Conference Finals, we saw him guarding. Kawhi Leonard when Middleton wasn't out there and so that might be Sterling Brown's role this year if he can prove that he's up to the task which is huge you know Wes Matthews is a guy who maybe could have done that in his prime right now you probably don't want him to do that all that often and so outside of Middleton Sterling Brown is the most logical choice to be that next man up he, he took a really nice leap forward in his second season. He improved in a lot of different areas of his game. I wrote about that at Forbes Sports, so make sure to check it out. Um, and it really just goes through a lot of his areas, like his ability to finish around the rim, his outside shooting, his, his passing and decision-making, you know, really took a nice leap. And so hopefully, you know, that he can continue to build off of that momentum and that will carry over into his third year. Overall, he's he's a pretty solid three-point shooter. He made 36.1% of his attempts last year from the three-point line. So like right at that league average mark. Um, most of it, you know, he, he does his damage in the corners. That's really where he's going to make his money. You know, he made 49% of his corner threes last year, which ranks in the 88th percentile according to cleaning the glass so that's really you know an area where the bucks overall they struggled as a team to shoot threes in the corner and so he can bring that to this roster and he can bring that to the team and so i think that's a huge strength of his uh weaknesses he needs to improve at finishing around the rim. He only made 59% of his shots around the hoop last year, which ranks in the 47th percentile. And I mean, that, that was, that's a big step up from ranking in the 40 or ranking in the fifth percentile in his rookie year. So he already made nice improvements in that category, but overall it's a weakness. He, he has a lack of explosiveness explosiveness. He's not a great leaper like we talked about with Connaughton, but I think, you know, overall, he's still got to figure out how to find that touch around the hoop, how to be able to finish with both hands, and how to use his strength and his body to figure that aspect out. So I think, you know, that's one of his weaknesses that he needs to work on. He, you know, we talked about his shooting from the corners, but he's not... He's not great out. He's not a good shooter outside of the corners. So from any of the non-corner threes above the break, anything like that, he only made thirty-one percent of those last year. So. He really needs to work on improving that category, that 31% ranks in the 21st percentile among wings, you know, so that's really, that's most of the court. It's great that he can knock down the corner threes, but now he's got to work on expanding his game to the other areas, to the top of the key, to the angles, the wings, uh, different areas like that. Another weakness is he can't create his own shot. He's a little better at it than Connaughton, but overall, he's not a guy who's going to be able to fill Brogdon's role in that area, you know. The Bucks asked him to be a ball handler in summer league and that kind of blew up in their face. It didn't really, you know, go as well as as some had hoped. Um, and so that's really a weakness in his game is he he'll rely on his teammates to get sh- to create shots for him, which, you know, is fine, that's his role, but I think, you know, if we're talking about to replacing Brogdon in that value as a ball handler and a shot creator that Brogdon brought to the table, Sterling Brown just can't necessarily do that. He he isn't great at any one skill. He's he's average to above average at a bunch of skills, but he doesn't have one that he can hang his hat on. Like Kyle Korver can hang his hat on three point shooting, um, something like that. He doesn't have one skill that he can hang his hat on, Um, and so he'll he just has to rely on a balanced game. The last weakness that I have here is that he's he's a little out of shape. You know, he could benefit from hitting that weight room. We'll see what he looks like when he comes back. You know, he's not the most chiseled player, but I think he could benefit from losing a few LBs and, you know, just tightening up his body and getting into a little bit better shape in the NBA. You know, I think that would help him on both ends of the court with, you know, with his conditioning, with his ability to finish around the hoop, with his defense. I think that would go a really go, really go a long way for Sterling Brown. Best case scenario is that he takes another leap forward in his third season. He did great at improving his game from his rookie year to his sophomore season. So best case is he continues that and takes another leap here in this third season. He's able to improve his three-point shooting. He was right at about league average at 36% last year. So he he bumps that up to 37 to 30 or 38% this year. You know, we're not asking the world of him, just that slight intake, and and that would really make him a real threat from the outside. And he would diversify his, his game as far as being able to shoot from all areas of the floor and not just the corners. So I think that would really be a huge aspect. You know, if the Bucks put another shooter out there who's not just league average, but who's better than that, like that would be amazing. That would be something that would benefit their whole team, something that would go a long way into forcing opposing defenses to not or to respect the Bucks shooters a little bit more and not just sag into the lane like the Raptors did in the Eastern Conference Finals. Another best case scenario is that he picks up his defense just another level. The Bucks are going to need another wing defender, like we talked about, besides Middleton, and that guy most logically should be Sterling Brown. So he picks up his defense another notch. He's in a better shape coming into the year which allows him to, you know, improve his lateral quickness a little bit more and really allows him to rise to the challenge of guarding players like a Kawhi Leonard, um, you know, those elite wings, you know, where he's not going to shut them down but just to be an adequate second option, which is really what the Bucks need. And lastly is he improves his ability to finish around the rim. Uh he shows that he can at least bump it up into like the um, 60s, the low 60s, as far as his finishing around the rim. That would put him um, about average, a little bit better than average. So I think that would be a huge shot or a huge bump in the arm. Shot in the arm is what I'm looking for. A huge shot in the arm as far as just adding a little bit more variance to his game and not just making him a one sided player. So I think that would really be huge for him and really. Uh, allow him to help the Bucs take their offense to the next level, especially especially when it comes to the postseason. You know, they don't really need that help in the regular season, but in the postseason, they just needed more options. And so if he can improve his three-point shooting and his ability to finish around the rim, I think that would be great. Worst case scenario, he loses his consistency from the outside. That three-point percentage dips to like 33 34%. He isn't ready for the expanded role that might be waiting for him. You know, his lack of ball handling skills is exploited. He can't take advantage when defenses turn their attention to Giannis or Middleton or Bledsoe and they skip it or they swing it to Sterling. He can't take advantage of that. You know, I think that. The opposing teams are really going to focus in on all right we're going to pick certain players on the court where their defenders are going to really be in charge of helping on Giannis or Bledsoe or Middleton or whoever and Sterling will be one of those so in this worst case scenario, is he's not ready to take that leap. He loses a little bit of his consistency or a little bit of his accuracy in his three point shot, and his percentages dip, and so teams have to respect him just that much less. Um, also, you know, teams will force him to beat them as the weaker link on the offense, so to speak. You know, there's if he's on the floor with with Bledsoe, so if, let's say the lineup is Bledsoe, Sterling, Middleton, Giannis, and Lopez. Sterling Brown is the weakest link on offense there, and so teams are going to force him to beat them, and he's going to have to either prove that he can do it or that he can't. In this worst-case scenario, he can't take advantage of that, and he isn't able to make opposing teams pay for paying him very little attention on offense, and so I think that would be a worst-case scenario defensively, he gets eaten alive by these better wings that he'll likely get asked to defend, and he proves that he's not up to the task. Now, this does not sound like Sterling. Sterling Brown is a grinder. He works hard. He will give it his all, but sometimes you can just be physically outmatched, and in this worst-case scenario, that's what happens is he's physically outmatched. He can't rise to the challenge, and the Bucks are left asking Middleton to be the primary defender night in and night out on the opposing team's best wing player, and so that would really take a lot out of the Bucks' second-best offensive player, and his play would probably suffer on offense. So I think in the worst-case scenario, it's that domino effect For if Sterling's not up for the challenge, then what will that look like for his teammates as well? Well, that's all that I have for you today, folks. Thanks for tuning in, and don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at Bucks Film Room. I hope to catch you next time.